This is a Strategist, episode 933. My name is Zane Belgey. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, nothing is going on in this country of ours. Absolutely nothing. No. Nope. Well, let's let's see. We've had a federal budget. We've had a BC budget. The uh, province of Ontario is on fire. The province of Alberta is more on fire, but we somehow care less. Uh, <laughs> The there is uh, new climate targets. There is a fight between liberal cabinet ministers, uh, where they are kind of fat shaming people online. I mean, there is so much to talk about, but all of it sucks compared to the thing that I think we actually need to talk about. Here. Now, is that thing is that thing that, that Doug Ford has more blackberries than me? Because I have, of course. <laughs> now you can't see this produced three blackberries. Uh, by the way, so the story is that Doug Ford uses a BlackBerry, and it can't download his attachments. Uh, And then he's got a pile of BlackBerries on his desk. That is also a major news story. Carter, you're saying hold on because you want to top that. No, Ford's crocodile tears are there. I mean, there's the Kenny must resign letter that's circulating. These things are all happening right now. This could be like the biggest news week we've ever faced. But I'm excited. that's That's not what you're talking about, Corey, is it? Uh, not not even remotely. I'm talking about an injustice that has happened that is just a little too common in small towns and main streets from coast to coast to coast in this country here. And it's the tyranny of a city hall that gets in the way of hot eats and cool treats. <laughs> and and that's why we're jumping into our first segment, the Queen's Gambit. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. And Corey... I rarely do this. I'm relinquishing my context-setting role on this show to you to give us some context. Lay it on us. This is what we want to talk about. This is what needs to be talked about. Lay it on us, Corey. In 2019, in the city of Calgary, the the jewel of the Western Prairies, uh, on a street just north of downtown, street called Center Street because it's central to our lives and our communities, there was a... Uh, there was a little fast food restaurant called Dairy Queen. People have heard uh, of it. People have heard of Dairy yeah. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? People have heard of it because people get together there. They have yeah. dilly bars. They have memories. They they have times that will never be forgotten. They've got door handles that are shaped like yeah. a giant spoon. There's the giant spoon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Just put all of that out of your memory. Think about all of the children who will no longer be able to enjoy this because uh, in 2019, this particular Dairy Queen burned down. And while you would think it would be a pretty straightforward um, thing to to sort of rebuild it brick by brick like Wayne Manor in a Batman movie, uh, the fucking city of Calgary Development Department has said no to the owners of the lot that they cannot rebuild the thing that was there just before COVID hit. Like, this is not like they're trying to build something new there. They're trying to rebuild the building that was there. And it's mostly because, um, you know, at the risk of sounding like Rick Bell, you know, the apparatchiks at City Hall think they've got a better idea for what to do with the land. They think that now that it's been you know, raised of what was on it, they can finally build something that's more to their liking. Uh, and so they've rejected the permit uh, that, you know, this this older couple who own the lot have put forward, this this immigrant success story family who were the franchisees wanted to build. And they've just said, no, why don't you build, uh, you know, a five-story tower with a Yogenfruz in the base instead with a bit more of a setback? Um, you know, this is one of these kind of small-level injustices that really do tend to get people to organize uh, you know, and, and galvanize people like me who live in the neighborhood and say, how can I convince 
you know, the people around me to take up this cause and, and move this cause forward and, and try to undo this this terrible thing that the city has done. Stephen Carter, Dairy Queen, a a uh, heartbeat of Center Street, known for <laughs> its progressive pricing. I mean, some days you drive by and the sign says, burgers, today only, 79 cents. <laughs> Other days, say burger, four ninety nine. I don't get no. it. I don't understand how, well, but they know. it depends on how much money you have <laughs> That's, in your yeah. pocket. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's progressive pricing model, perhaps one of my favorite elements. Stephen Carter, uh, we, we eulogize, but we're not going to eulogize so much on this show, but I'm going to give you a moment to uh, perhaps share any Center Street Dairy Queen memories you uh, you may have had. Well, Zane, I, I, I've driven past it. And uh, <laughs> by driving past it, I, I feel the real connection. Uh, a connection of driving past it many, many times on my way usually to McDonald's, which is only four blocks north. But, uh, you know, I felt... I, I felt connected to Corey's monologue there. I, I feel the deep injustice now as well of not being able to buy a dilly bar or a soft serve dipped. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pain that, that Corey's bringing to this. Corey, we tackle the big issues here and we tackle them with our strategic brain. So let's break this down. Let's actually spend time on this. You know, people have been asking for a while in a deep dive episode. Here you go, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fuck it. Here you go. Corey, um, we've got we've got there's some really interesting characters in this story. Let's start there. Right? There's obviously let's tease them out a bit. There's the immigrant success story family that was the franchisee of this Dairy Queen. There's the old couple that owns this plot of land that wants to retire uh, and say, No, we're pro Dairy Queen. That's we've liked that Dairy Queen on this land, and that's what we want, and we want to I don't know if they said cash out, but quite literally say have that predictability of a Dairy Queen. And then there's a city with its uh, density model. And it's this is on Center Street and only a couple hundred meters away from a new LRT station. So um, this is um, it's got a cast of characters and we need to strategize. Let's start with perhaps some strategies. If you are indeed helping this family and this landowner. Can I couple them as one? Is that, let's just start yeah, there. Sure. Yeah. Do you think, because they seem to share the same interests um, of perhaps having... Um, let's call them the first members of the Coalition for Common Sense in City Hall. Oh, wonderful. Oh okay, God. excellent, okay, Corey. We're, we're, we're taking it to this level, are we? Good. Well, Corey, maybe, maybe you've already po- posited sense. an idea and put it on the table. Is that where we're starting? Are we starting a coalition? Is that the first thing that this, this group or this, fam- this family and this couple need to need to do? No, I think the first thing they need to do is actually um, find people who are going to be individually interested and, and remain individuals. As much as we're going to kind of cluster them for the purposes of this conversation, it's those stories that really, I think, accentuate just how kind of unbelievable the, the city is acting in this particular context. Because, of course, if it was 12345 Alberta Limited uh, who was trying to get this done, it wouldn't have nearly the same punch. So I think if you are interested in convincing uh, your neighbors to help build a groundswell to help convince the city to reverse its decision upon appeal, which is happening in two weeks. You've got to keep kind of central to that everybody's story here. You've got to keep in mind that these are actual people. This isn't just, you know, some planner's fetish for having higher density development on on Center Street. These were people's livelihoods. Uh, You know, it's it's sort of like imagine if your house was on Center Street. Sure. There are houses on Center Street. There's lots of houses on Center Street in, in that rough proximity too. 
if your house burned down and you're like, I'm going to rebuild my house, this is such an important part of my life, and the city said, yeah, sorry about that, no, how would you feel about that? So, uh, Corey, okay, let's let's talk about that. Um, let's, I'll start there. Carter, do you agree with the story, Montrant? If so, what sort of stories need to be told? Well, this is about redrafting the, the story itself. It's not actually about Dairy Queen being on Center Street and the type of business that it is. It's about drafting a narrative that everybody can see themselves in. So we've talked often about putting a story in place where people can see themselves as characters in that story. So Corey has ta- started to begin the conversation of what if my house burned down? What if my house burned down and I wasn't allowed to rebuild my house, this thing that I have tremendous connection to? But even that is is kind of the specific. And what I'm interested in is the general story. And the general story that I've just quickly jotted down is when planning meets people, why do the people always lose? That's, That's fucking good. You know, <laughs> so say it, te- tease that out for us, just so just so everyone can understand. So people have this sense that there's a machine that's that's against them, right? And let's just call that machine. You know, we can call it City Hall, or we can call it the Planning Department, or we can call it whatever. But what it is is the rules and regulations that the city creates for governing the city and the dev- design of the city. So if you create a story, you know the 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 story's as old as time. You know, you've got Daniel versus. Uh, Goliath, or whatever the I don't David, know, David, I, I, Danny, Danny was against your, your the, the biblical lion. knowledge. Is Danny Daniel was against the lions. Goliath would be really fucking funny. Yeah, Danny was against the lions. I'm remembering now, but you've got David versus Goliath, right? So what you want to do is take a familiar story like David and Goliath, and now recast the characters. So the characters are, you know, planning department is Goliath. The city of Calgary is the bully in this situation. The underdog are the people. Now you have, as Corey is address, addressing the specific characters, right? Mm. Ma, you know, the, the, the elderly couple with the land, the, 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 the immigrant couple that are, you know, uh, the success story that come to the country just only a few short years ago and have already established a successful business that just happened to burn down through bad luck, not their own, not nothing that they did, just bad luck. And that bad luck could happen to you. And then you cast all of those kind of roles and you make sure that people can see themselves in it. And with a central moral, right? The biblical stories or the moral tales that we tell ourselves, that we tell our children, all of them have a central moral that we're supposed to learn. And the central moral of this particular story is that people must stand up to the planning. People must stand up to planning or planning will always win and people will always lose. Mm. So that's why we're recrafting it as if when the planning meets the people, why do people always lose? Because people don't stand up against them. Nicely done, Carter. You know, often in public narrative, we've got this concept of the three stories. The story of me, the story of we, the story of now. You've actually done that. I don't know if you've teased it out specifically for folks, but why this group, why the community needs to get involved, why the urgency to act, and what the future state could look like with or without action. So you've kind of stated those. Corey, you wanted to jump in, and then I've got... I'm going to get super tactical with you guys, because we know the timeline here. It's two weeks. So I want to I want to get really tactical in a second as to how these individuals, without the use of expensive consultants, right, finds airtime, gets their story out, etc. But Corey, I'll let you get in your thoughts first, and then we'll go a little bit deeper. The root of all of this is story. 
And that is why we start with people, because ultimately it is about a narrative that you're trying to craft. And when you're talking about any kind of campaign, when you're talking about moving towards a decision point and trying to convince people at that decision point to take your road rather than the other person's road, it is about crafting the narrative that we've gone on here. So this really is the starting point. You look at the elements of story that are available to you. You look to the most compelling ones. You've both provided different frameworks, but fundamentally mm-hmm. when you talk about strategy mm-hmm. work, that is where we began. Uh, you want to you wanna look at what's in front of you. You want to take the components that are available, take this effectuation approach, but always, always you're looking at the components of story. I appreciate that. So we're on the same page. We've got a we've got a set of characters. We're going to give them roles. We're going to construct a story. Carter, let's let's get more specific. Two weeks. Reverse engineer a rough tactical timeline for me. What what? So let's talk about the ends. The ideal ends for them. They get to go to <clears throat> Corey. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a subcommittee on planning for appeal. Is that correct? I think it's the Subdivision and Development Appeal Board. Okay, so it's an appeal board. Carter, that's what happens in two weeks. That's the ends. Uh, Talk to me about what an ideal outcome for them is, and then then let's give us a rough skeleton of what some tactics look like. Corey, I'm going to ask you to add to those from what Carter Carter suggests. Well, basically what we're going to look for is amplification right off the bat. So the amplification has begun with global television, um, but you need to continue the amplification for the next two weeks. So the first thing that they need to do is make sure that tomorrow morning they're on QR 770 or, you know, they're talking to the QR 770 producers and they're saying, this is what, this is a local story. We need to be on the drive show for seven minutes talking about this, or we need to get 15 minutes uh, on the, on the Rob Breckenridge show. And we're going to talk about not just our situation, but the situation much larger broader than that. Our situation isn't unique. This is why you have to cover it. Not because uh, this this type of thing happens all the time, but because you know we're the ones fighting just to rebuild our Dairy Queen. But the guys down the street that are building the arena, they're not running into these tr- types of problems. This is a bit, you know, this is a bigger systemic issue, and we're the ones fighting. And you have to be on our side. So the pitch needs to be made to other media outlets to amplify, and then you have to find your message carriers, if you will, people who are going to carry this forward. So a number of people have started to retweet the, the article, find out who those people are, connect with those people, engage Would you like people. direct message them and say, hey, we're like the, the franchisees or we're the landowner. Is, is that what you do? Like Do it in public. Of- do it right on the, do it right on ah. the email. You know, like, so people who are running for council in Ward 7, 8, um, 2, 4, right? Put all the areas together. Who else is running in Ward 9? Who's running in, in Ward uh, 10? Make sure that all of those people who are Running. Because that's where this LRT, that's the reason, that's, is that what you're suggesting? Right. That's so every, yeah. and every, every proponent for the green line needs to be asked, is this what you meant when you started to fight for the green line? Is this the thing that you wanted to see happen? Is small business owners that were just trying to make thing, make ends meet would be in somehow disadvantaged by your plans that you created for the green line? So you can get, so you'd, that you'd legitimately try to make yourself a symbol if you're, if for, for, or a proxy for this larger conversation? Or do you want to isolate this as this is our issue and like let's this injustice just be about yeah, us? Because there, there could in, be this... An injustice to one is meaningless. An injustice to all of us is something that we all fear, right? So we have to be... This is one of the things I always talk about is the casting of others in the story, right? If it's just a story with one person who is just a person, then it doesn't work. If it's a person who is an everyman, then it does work, right? If that every man could be you, if you can see yourself, if you could see your parents in this situation where they could lose it all just by a fire 
and then the city of Calgary would be fighting against them. That's what you want to see. And so you're, you're, you're trying to bring on allies by putting them into difficult positions to gain you amplification. So you're, you're, you're going after multiple threads all at the same time because you only have two weeks and it's going to take two, three, four days to get everybody all on side. Then the weekend, you know, next week is going to come. You got to keep pushing all the way through this. And for me, it's about amplification and increasing the number of voices that are going to tell a story, even if it's not your specific story all at the same time. Corey, I'm coming to you in a sec. Give me one second. I just want to have a quick follow up with Carter. Carter, talk to me about media relations. Uh, I, you and I have been on campaigns together. You're, you're, this is your specialty uh, in some ways, yeah. especially when their campaign cycle is on. You know how to get coverage. You've talked to me a bit about the story. Tell me the tactics of pitching radio. You know, you've gotten global to cover you already. That seems to be the sole strike. I could be wrong. But are you going back to that well? How are you getting other media outlets to do it? Are you going exclusive? Are you DMing? Like, give me the, give me the tactics. What's happening here? What I'm trying to do is figure out which outlet wants which conflict. Right. So let's say that we're going with QR 77, which for all those who are listening from around the around across the country and around the world, it's uh, Calgary's redneck radio, especially in Norway and Singapore. Big markets for us. Go ahead. Listen, Norway has been very helpful. We plummeted in the last little while. But nonetheless, the Norwegians are there for us. Um, Calgary Redneck Radio wants conflict. So why not give them that conflict, right? Find the, you know, talk about the local councillors, talk about the, 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 the people who have been promoting the green line and bring that conflict into the discussion and, and bring it into the pitch, right? So say, we would love it if the local councillor came on and, and defended the position of the city while you're talking about your position as a, as a small business owner, right? So you don't want to find people who are with you. You want to find people who are against you because ultimately the conflict is what the media want to cover. The The media framed this issue as the David and Goliath story that we're talking about because David and Goliath is an interesting story to listen to. One of my favorite Stephen Carter quotes, and I don't know if this is attributable to you, but you know people can use it unattributed. No conflict, no interest. I remember you saying that to me at one point. Uh, Corey, add to Stephen's tactics here. He's, he's provided an ends. He's provided a media relations hook. Scaffold it. Add, add, add a bit more. What else do, do folks need to do? And then we'll go even deeper in terms of the how did they do it? What's the, what's the way to engineer some of this stuff? Well, if, if we're talking about building out that story, and Stephen's given a lot of, uh, of good points on how you generate media interest, essentially there are, uh, you know, there's a, there's a small matrix of things you can do to generate media interest. And one of the big ones really is, <clears throat> well, local stories are great. Immediacy is great. Uh, conflict is great. Human interest is great. Uh, you've got a number of these components here that can allow you to then push forward and pitch something out. Uh, when you want to talk about that conflict, there's one ready made in the rejection. So if you go to the appeals board and you can kind of pull up why the city rejected it, one of the things you see is that the, the local councillor, the Ward 7 councillor, strongly recommended uh, that it not go forward. And uh, this strongly recommending refusal, when you go through it, actually provides a couple of lines that almost sound super villainy that I don't think are going to do Council Farrell any kind of favors if this does become an issue. Because, you know, for example, we are sympathetic to the owner and the franchisee, but this situation actually represents an opportunity for them to build something so much better on the site than what is proposed. Like, that's just shitty. It's like, well, your thing sucked. Oh, um... We are mindful this standalone restaurant with a drive-through existed on this site previously and would still exist had it not burned down. However, that did happen. Well, thanks for your fucking sympathy. Uh, you know, that's that's just not very 
human. And to, to Stephen's point about the process becoming like, why does planning beat people? Why does planning exist if not for people? Why are all of a sudden we going to start making decisions uh, based on, <clears throat> you know, visions of a city that people want, not a life that was lived? And, uh, and and kind of framing that story out further, encouraging groups like QR77 to say, well, why don't we go to Councillor Farrell for comment? Why don't we ask her exactly why she's got a problem with this uh, and get some of those, you know, juicy quotes in, in audio sound bites that you can then run against the, you know, the, 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 the retiring senior couple and, and the, you know, the, the, you know, immigrant success story gone wrong, thanks to the city. I mean, that that if you are looking to kind of create the tension that will allow you to get the the kind of volume you need to ultimately reverse a decision like this that's that's gold yeah for those that are on the edge of their seats we will also be covering the city aspect of this of what their strategy should look like so so do not worry that's coming <laughs> sorry i'm just checking one of my four blackberries just to make sure no i've got no <laughs> messages uh carter Corey, either of you uh there's so many there's a list of uh, tactics on the digital side what should they be engaging in should they be doing social media or should they just be finding allies on social media? There's even a there's even an instinct or an impulse, I should say, to do like one of those change.org petitions or, or, or start an email to your counselor situation. What's useful? What's not? Give me your take with the two-week timeline. What's tactically and strategically sound? Carter, you're going to jump in first. Corey, I'll let you go thereafter. Yeah, I think that change.org is a, is a great way to go. And I wouldn't be afraid of a little hyperbole. I mean, it's all about how you craft the discussion, right? Like, imagine this. I mean, imagine that um, you wanted to put a freeway in. What's the easiest way to put a freeway in? Everybody's house burns down, right? Like this, this goes too far. It goes too fast, right? What, all of a sudden you wanted to, you don't, you want a better building and all of a sudden mine burns down and you punish me because of that. Did you want my building to burn down? Like this is not, this is, this is a, these are the questions, the rhetorical questions or the hyperbolic questions that should be asked. Uh, because ultimately, I mean, you, you almost can't go too, too, you know, too far. Don't make it personal. Make it questions, you know, don't attack, pull, you know, pull back, ask questions, make sure that people have the opportunity to, to, to interject. But, you know, the tactics of a change.org petition, um, emailing people, uh, getting people to, to, to share the story online, uh, asking people what would happen if it was their parents? What would you do if it was your parents? Um, you know, pers- making it personal um, on social media becomes a really positive and really powerful thing. Uh, and ultimately, casting casting a villain and casting a hero, right? Make the make the older folks, the the franchisees, the the owners of the franchise, make the immigrants, um, make them the heroes of the story, and then make sure that you've got a villain. And and the beautiful thing, like like Corey reading those quotes. You've got a ready-made villain. The mil- the villain is there um, because of actions that she's taken, not because of actions that you're even you know implying. This this story will uh, write itself. Make sure that it's shared broadly and that it is immediate. Also, give people the opportunity to write their own stories within it. Right. Um, one of the things about what, grassroots. What does that look like, Carter? Tactically, grass- like, are you are you just doing a hashtag and saying you know write your story here or what? What exactly would you suggest? that that look like from a tactical perspective. Tell me what would happen to your family. Tell me what would happen to your family if your parents lost their business. Tell me what would happen to their retirement. Tell me what would happen to you as a child. Tell me what would happen uh, to the to their parents. 
this is this is personal for this family, but make it personal for other people's families. And I would do that. I would just simply, you know, I would take the story that Global did, and I would simply say, what would happen to your family if this happened to you? Corey, same question for you. The digital tactics, what to do, what to avoid, how to layer them in. What do you What do you think? Well, let's be realistic. When you're talking about something with two weeks to go, you don't have time for a lot of tactics. Mm. So you're going to be looking off the shelf. This is not time to start getting cute with micro-targeting or anything like that. Not that I believe those resources would be necessarily available to the proponents in any case. Uh, And if you wanted to organize people to support them, again, you've got two weeks. There's not really time for that. So you've really got two streams that you can take. One is big, and, and they're not mutually exclusive. You can run them both at the same time, and I would recommend that you do. One of them is big story, low touch, and the other one is local story, high touch. And Carter has talked a bit about, in fact, so have I, but this big story, low touch, this idea you get some media coverage that you broaden the issue. You make it about not just one family, but lots of families. And for that, there's a few things I want to say. One is you look for the bigger point. And we've talked a bit about that in a couple of different ways, but imagine, you know, like the general foundational unfairness of you had it, it burned down through, you know, just like this total random act and you're not allowed to rebuild it. Like there's, there's almost a, what I would call the, there ought to be a law test to that, right? If it burns down, there ought to be a law that you get to rebuild it exactly as it was. No questions asked. Like, why do you even need to go through Mm. this development permit nonsense, right? I think that's something people could get behind. And you've made a broader point there. And when you start creating critical mass on that, that actually can kind of sometimes scare, you know, planning groups like that to say like, oh, we might lose the whole kit if we don't give a little bit here. And that might be an opportunity to move back. And that's really where you can start using tactics like a change.org because it's a bigger thing. More Mm. people can get behind. They're hearing the story. You're asking them to push towards something very specific. You can push it towards lots of lawmakers, not just, not just an appeal board that may or may not care about those things. Uh, you know, they'll send emails. It's not necessarily going to be these high touch uh, communications that with the local story you would have, but you can get a lot of people with lesser interest to get involved because they just, they, they agree to the principle. The other stream that you can take is the local story high touch. So it's people who maybe live in the neighborhood, maybe have fond memories of their kids going to that Dairy Queen. Maybe they just realize that right across the street from this is a fucking parking lot at the Safeway. And so who gives mm-hmm. a shit if it's not a transit-oriented development? The entire stretch of that part of Center Street is kind of a wasteland of, of low-density things, you know, with exceptions. So... Uh, you know, and they can send in, you know, the angrier, you know, more bespoke communications to their counselor. They can phone 311. They can leave complaints. They can write letters. They can phone up these offices and they can create noise that is harder to ignore because it's not form, right? Like yeah. they're in the neighborhood and, uh, you know, and at that point it becomes difficult, difficult for an elected official because now they're just being non-responsive to the community around them. And uh, even even in the case of Councillor Farrell, who's not running again, you don't like to see your community up in arms by things like that. So uh, those are the two basic streams you take. And depending on the stream, you're going to have different tactics that you're going to want to apply. But again, I'll go back to with two weeks, there's not much time to do anything beyond tell people to just run and do whatever they can. Carter, there's... um. There's perhaps a cohort of of people, like an audience here, that would overlap, that would have tremendous sympathy for an immigrant family, immigrant success story, an elderly couple, but may also have sympathy for density, being like, this is something we want. How do you navigate? 
How do you kind of tell this in a way that their someone's political tribalism doesn't get in the way of perhaps wanting to support uh, this uh, this family or this couple? Well, I think that if we were to to draw really broad parallels, you'd see that the you know the the immigrant family building the business uh, does kind of get you some of those progressive points, right? Like the density. And Corey's also raised that the specifics of the situation. We're not rebuilding a Dairy Queen in a in a crowded landscape of no land available. This this land has been been available for quite some time because they've been planning the green line up it for a long time. Um, this is not a new idea. This is something that's been planned for a long time, decades really, and uh, that density is going to come. So the, the reality is the Dairy Queen is not going to be the density obstacle. The density is available uh, for the transit-oriented design that people want to see on that side. They just, do you have to do it at the expense of a person who's lost their business to fire? Or can you just do it with the rest of the land that's down there? So making sure that you're achieving the goals of everybody. You're achieving the business person's goals. You're achieving the city's goals. You're achieving the, the, the broader community's goals to reduce taxation or whatever other topics they wish to bring into it. But the point of the exercise should be, we can still achieve what you want without you hurting me. Corey, same question. Well, I'm going to maybe just take another point at this too. And it's, you know, the the idea of the local context is so important. So I'll throw one that probably means something to Calgarians will absolutely not mean anything to anybody outside of Calgary. Uh, but we have a local landmark, a, a drive-in called Peter's Drive-Through uh, or Peter's Drive-In um, that's on 16th Avenue. And it is certainly not transit-oriented design. It backs up 16th Avenue, which is, for the non-Calgarians, that's actually Trans-Canada Highway. Like, you will have mm-hmm. a whole lane lost in the summertime as people are trying to go get milkshakes, milkshakes. Uh, burgers from this place. And um, what would Drew Farrell do if Peter's drive through burned down? Would would it be like, too bad, so sad, you don't get to rebuild, not transit-oriented? Is that really where we're at? Is that what we're thinking right now as a city? Would is, you is go that... as far as in your communications, if you're this family or this couple, making the Peters comparison? I think I would probably let other people carry the water for it on that point. But why not? Why is it okay for one organization and not another? Like, let's be serious here. Uh, we are always going to have a city that accommodates varying levels of density. Even if you go to New York, you're going to run into the odd lot that looks rather undeveloped. And it's just, it's not, it's not fair ultimately, that uh, that you would treat people in this fashion when they did nothing wrong. Carter, any final comments to add before we jump to the city side of things? Do you want to crystallize your strategy or do you want to kind of capstone it in any way for, for this first tranche of folks? Uh, and I'll give you the same opportunity, Corey, to do the same. So Carter, jump in first with your capstone for what this strategy looks like. And then well, let's flip the, the script and go on the other side. Let me just provide a summary. I think you need to know your story. I think you need to know the characters. I want, I want to know who the protagonist and the antagonist are. I want to know the central points of conflict. I want to know who your allies are. All of those things should be articulated on a piece of paper. And then finally, and, and this can't be lost because one of the things that sometimes I think we do is we, we focus so much on communications and the political piece that we forget that you actually have to know the process as well. 
So make sure you know the process. Make sure you know the steps of the appeal. Make sure you know what happens after the appeal. Is this thing dead on, on arrival? Who needs to vote for which, in which way? What pressures do you need to be able to put on them? Because knowing the process and knowing the people that you're trying to influence, you're not trying to influence the city of Cal, the, the broader population of the city of Calgary. You are trying to put specific influence on the government. And this is why, you know, this, this little example of the Dairy Queen is actually really important in the overall scheme of things. Because let's say that you're trying to influence the coal mines or the, you know, the, the coal mining in the Rocky Mountains, or you're trying to influence, uh, uh, nuclear power in, in Ontario, or you're trying to influence hydro in Quebec, all of the same principles apply. You have to be able to put those, the, the, the storytelling and all of those other tools are designed to apply pressure to the decision maker. That's why you're doing it. So make sure you know who you're applying it to and what the process is by which they're going to make their decision. Corey, same thing, summarize and perhaps add a capstone from your perspective. Well, Stephen sort of jumped into where I was going to go because we had talked a lot about story. We talked a lot about tactics, but we'd missed a very important point, which is how do you win? Mm. Who is your audience? Who is actually making this decision and how is that decision determined? And finally, is that decision final or is there a further appeal? Can you take it all the way to council? How does that look? What does that look like? Who decides there? So you do need to map out the win condition and the appeals that are available to you. Uh, and you've got to have a good understanding of that or else you might end up winning the public conversation but lose. Because ultimately, all you will have done is is made things deeply uncomfortable for a councillor who's already retiring, but you will not have gotten your Dairy Queen rebuilt. So the appeals board is made up of 22 people. Uh, who are appointed by the city. And uh, you've got to understand a little bit about them and you've got to le- understand a little bit about the decision-making process of the appeals board. What has worked in the past? What does tend to change minds at this point? Look at what works and what doesn't and replicate what works. That's not to say you shouldn't continue to create pressure. Putting light on a process like this is often a way to get people to change their minds, even if they are non-elected, but rather appointed because all of a sudden they're dealing with a certain amount of heat that they've never had to deal with before. Um and really just knowing that the public is looking over your back and judging what you're doing, you're going to act a little bit better. So that's not to, that's not to discount anything we've said about have a media strategy. That's nothing about creating pressure on elected officials and pressure in general. But you've got to be aware that that alone might not be enough. You've got to understand the rules of the game you're playing. Right? You can't just walk onto the field with your baseball bat and say, oh, shit. This is a soccer pitch because then you're going to just look like a fool in two weeks. So so think about the game you're playing. Let's flip the script, Carter. Two weeks, city, all defensive posture? Are they going aggressive? What are you advising if you're, if you're city planning right now, knowing that this has hit the media for, for comments? And perhaps you know, perhaps you don't, that uh, there might be a public campaign waged against you. What is your posture and what's your framework for strategy before we get into tactics there are three options i think you can take as you if you're the city of calgary you can try and win this now the law is probably on your side the zoning is probably on your side you can probably win this just outright uh the other is that you could lose so those are the two easiest ones you can win or you can lose and and losing is is going to be extremely painful because you don't want to be setting precedent you don't want um this type of situation you know this type of argument to be able to carry be carried forward while you allow to drive through here why wouldn't you allow a drive through over there you know this this the the issue of precedence is one um that that the city of Calgary certainly will not want to be falling into um so the third one i'm just going to call the win win um and, and and I would suggest that the city of Calgary um, 
brain trust, start figuring out what a win-win might look like. Um, do we need to build the Dairy Queen on this particular piece of property? Is there another piece of property that, that, that we could maybe do a trade for? Is there a way that we could purchase the land? Is there, a, is there, what, what could we do so that the city of Calgary would win? The corporation of the city of Calgary would win in that it owns a piece of property that it knows will be very valuable as it moves forward into, into redevelopment. Uh, but these, these, these entrepreneurs, these people who were, who were hurt through no fault of their own, um, also get the opportunity to continue, um, with, with their life stream of, of building up the Dairy Queen and providing Corey with dilly bars. Um, so developing some sort of a win-win posturing, um, might be something that, uh, uh, maybe an, the elected officials might try and do, uh, where they try and figure out if there's another way that they can, uh, solve this particular problem. Um, I, I would hesitate if I was the city to just dive headlong into the, we're going to win this at all costs model. I think it will be a very painful couple of weeks for them if they do. Carter, is your recommendation win-win? I think the win-win's the better, this is the way to go. I think that you, you should be talking to them about, you know, what, what the, the city's goal is simply to increase density. It's not to fuck over these people, right? The, the city is not trying to hurt the entrepreneur. The city is not saying, you know what? We got too many Dairy Queens. We should take one of these Dairy Queens out. And so we've got an opportunity. So we're going to take this Dairy Queen out. Um, that, that's not their posture. Their positioning simply is this is a very highly valued piece of land where a, 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 at some point in the relatively near future for a city, but could be a long time for an entrepreneur, this is going to be a very valuable piece of property. Why not try and figure out if there's a place where this could go? You know what? We need a, we need a Dairy Queen in, in this community. Um, we have a piece of property that's vacant on Ninth Avenue in Inglewood. How does that sound? You know, where, you know, where there's a particular other win. You know, we're, we're trying to build an arena. Uh, do you want the franchise? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, you know, so. You you mean naming rights for the arena? Is that what you? No, saying? I meant like literally. You can own the Calgary Flames. I'm throwing it. I'm just you know things against the wall. See what sticks. So, but the, the I th- I think that if they go for the straight up win, the risk of loss is just too high. Corey, do you agree with Carter's framework, or, or do you want to add to his win loss win win framework? Let's start there to rather than have you create your own. See if you want to add to it, or and, and do you agree with it? Anytime you have a situation like this, you have an interesting asymmetry. Right, and, and it manifests in a lot of different ways. For for the people uh, who are affected, it's everything. For the city, it's almost nothing. It's it's like a point of principle almost. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. you can't lose every point of principle, or else the city falls apart from a planning point of view. But uh, it's not. It's you know. It's I doubt it's anybody's hill to die on in the city. And so, what's important uh, when you're at the city is keeping that in mind and not letting sort of pride get in the way, if that makes sense, and understanding what makes sense for you actually to fight and say, well, that principle's got value down the road. If I let go on this, we may have eight other problems down the road and that's that's too problematic. And what is just, all right, well, maybe this was a mistake. And I think in general, large organizations like, like governments um, are well positioned, but maybe in practice don't often avail themselves of the, well, let's just not do, look, this was a mistake. Like we were just wrong on this and who gives a shit? Like we didn't think a ton about this. This is their whole livelihood. Why are we going down this road? Uh, because I really doubt that Drew Farrell sat there and really mauled over this issue. I'm not even convinced that she herself did this. It could have very easily been somebody in her office. And so when you start thinking about what comes next, um, step one is really saying, gut check. Do we want to do this? Is this worth it? Do we care? Right. And if you still care, then I think you've got to go to where Steven uh, is, which is 
is there a is there a clawback for, or a climb down for everybody here? Is there an opportunity to say, okay, well, we're just going to set you back a little bit further, or you can have your drive through, but you can only access the drive through off the avenue, not the street, or or what? Like there there is possibly something you can do that is face saving and maybe even meets your strategic objectives, or at least some of them or most of them, uh, but allows you not to be the villain in this story going forward, and it can leave everybody with sort of a happy feeling of a responsive city. And look how that all worked out for everyone. I think the absolute last thing you want to do in a city is just. Well, I don't say absolute last. It better really matter to you if you're not willing to avail yourself of any of those things. Because uh, especially if volume gets louder, especially if people get crankier, because it's not like this is something that couldn't hurt you in a bunch of other ways if people start feeling more ill will towards the city planning department. Like that may hurt you in a hundred different ways. And so I guess that's my final point. Just at the start, as I would say, is does this matter to you? And maybe you'll say, yes, it could hurt me in a bunch of ways if I let this go. It can hurt you in a bunch of ways if you don't let this go. And you've got to be honest with yourself about the calculations on those things. And remember, as a city, as a government, you have a ton of options here. Options that the, uh, you know, the plaintiffs do not have. And so it's in some ways incumbent upon you to help find the solution because your flexibility far exceeds their own. Your sophistication far exceeds their own. And you have the ability to diffuse this in a way that they do not, frankly. What's your recommendation, Corey, amongst the, the list of conditions you've set and the list of options? Well, I'm not sitting in the planning department. And so it better be, I just, you go through those things one by one. Mm. Step one. Okay, gut check time. Does it actually make any sense that we did this? And if the answer is no, back down. You know, send a note from uh, Councillor uh, Farrell's office saying, "Do you know what? Upon reflection, we 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 pull back our objections." So, and that would probably be enough for the board. You know, the appeal board. They'd probably say, "Well, that's just fine." Right. Step two is. Um, is saying, okay, well, do I have something else that I can offer? The benefit of going to that step two, Zane, is even if the, uh, you know, the proponent says, screw you, I don't want that. You've at least helped pass the reasonable person mm. test, right? So even at this point, if they continue to make noise, you can say, well, look, we came to them with options. We tried to make this work. Uh, and, and you look a little bit less unreasonable. That's not to say you're going to be perfectly inoculated, but it provides a certain amount of inoculation. Uh, if you are not even willing to go that far, and if you want to go to the mattresses about this thing, I, I mean, I have a hard time believing that's the right play. But if it is, the tactics you have to go are a little more hard-nosed, right? It has to be more along the lines of, they always knew this was never a possibility. You have to write a different story. Just as they have written a story about them being the victims, you have to write a story about them having to know this was going to be the case. I'm not saying you have to suggest that, that you know negligence caused the fire or anything like that, but you have to say, this has been on the books forever. They've always known if this land was you know changed in any way, shape, or form, they wouldn't be allowed to build that close. You've got to start getting that story out. But again... Do you really want to like it? You know, that's what I would say to anybody uh, in the city right now. Like, does this make any sense? Are you just going to have three jackasses with like a very broadly listened to political strategy podcast talk about this for an hour if you continue down this road? Are we going to do a whole series on it's this? Be a series. You bet we will. Yeah, yeah. yeah we um, we've Thursday got nothing night. but time. This fucking pandemic. We got this nothing is the but new th- Thursday content. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Fuck the headlines, Carter. <laughs> 
Carter, Corey talked about an asymmetry, but there's also another type of asymmetry, which is um, the political sort of wins, right? If this was two political parties or two political entities, we would say that the loss column is not available to either of them because no one wants to lose. In this case, the loss column for the city is just laying your sword down, to Corey's point. Is that something that they need to be mindful of, what a, what an L looks like for them? like, Or is it fine just to lay down your sword and be like, oh, sorry, not a big deal. Like We're, we're fine just not even playing for the win-win, but the L is okay for us. Give me your calculation if you're city planning department. I think that the loss is terrible if you're the city planning department. I think that if, if you just take the loss, you're in real trouble because um, the, the rules mean something. There's a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Corey's proposed compromise. Right. Compromise is different than loss. Right. I want to tease those two things out. But one of the first conditions is we could just drop this. Yeah. No, I think that you might want to just gut check and say it's not worth it for us. It's very easy to say this is a one off. It literally burned down. But maybe it's not. Maybe this is a problem. Maybe when things burn down, people try to rebuild them and the city doesn't want them all the time. Or or maybe this is just the most important piece of land or this is an example that needs to be set for the rest of the LRT line. This is like this is the lot in the house up where they're building the mall around it. That just makes them more of the villains here. Uh, Well, you know, we have to watch up again, I guess. Uh, I think that um, (laughs) first three and a half minutes go make me cry. Um, But the point is that planning matters. Right. Let, let's not play this game that the planning doesn't matter. But I think that the circumstances of this particular situation are so unique that it's going to be very, very difficult for the city of Calgary um, not to take something vaguely resembling a loss unless they set out to create the win win. Corey, we talked about tactics for the, uh, the, the, the first group, the, the family and the, and the couple. Talk to me about tactics for the city. They may not want to use them. But if you're in that city planning meeting and maybe heading up comms for them, you're saying, what sort of things do they want to have? What sort of tools do they want to have ready? Is it a statement? Is it putting some allies together? Is it some conversations with admin and council? What sort of comms work would have to happen knowing the same deadline that they're up against uh, on the city planning side? Well, that is an interesting question to me because obviously those conversations occurred because um, there was a there was a television clip about this. It was on Global News, and there was a there was an interview with somebody from the city planning department. I believe I yep. have to go and check. Seems like it, right? And uh, and you know the comments were like, yeah, obviously we'd like something better on the lot, which I don't think were helpful to the city. So I wonder if that was just somebody inexperienced in the media who drifted from their key messages for just a minute. Uh, because they did something that is kind of like the classic do not in a media interview, which is they repeated the charge almost, right? Like, yeah. is, do you just want something better for the lot? Well, obviously we want something better for the lot. That could not possibly have been your key message, right? Um, but uh, the, uh, you know, you've got to sit there and you've got to say, who's going to speak to this? What are they going to say? And they've got to also remember always, in, always, always, always in communications, if you hear nothing else in this episode, hear this, not communicating is always an option. And I think actually in many ways, if I had seen that same news story tonight and the the comment had been, uh, we reached out for the city for comment and they didn't get back to us, it probably would have been better for the city. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't have created the two sides that Stephen and I were talking about where there's good guys and bad guys. And, you know, you've got these really sympathetic characters on one side and somebody who seems to be just looking at it from the point of view of like, what's the zoning of this particular thing on the other? Not a great look. Right. And uh, and but ultimately, as a city, you've got to say, does it make any sense to engage with this? Right. Because to uh, to the points we were making earlier about having 
one side fight the other side and that creates media interest and that creates public interest? Well, a really great way not to do that is to not engage. You don't get the other side and then there's only so many times you can talk about the one person's side. The story can't be kicked perpetually if only one person is doing the talking because they won't have anything new to say after the first cycle. Yeah, it's it's a like a ball that doesn't necessarily have any bounce to it. Carter, same question for you. What's the city planning department need to do in terms of comms tactics right now? What are they building and what are they deploying? Well, I'm loath to do the don't talk. I think that Corey's made a very good argument for it. So I'll just, I'll leave. I will, I will, uh, say that I heard what he said and it makes total sense. But let me just play the other side and say that the city is going to go out with a robust defense. Um, I think that they should jump, if they're going to jump out with a robust defense, then make sure you've got key messages and a properly trained spokesperson. Make sure that you've got someone who can say the things that need to be said. This is a very valuable piece of property. It is only going to become more valuable as we build the green line. What the city of Calgary is promising to this landloader, landowner is significantly more valuable than a Dairy Queen at this particular moment. And regarding the, the mm-hmm. people who, who sadly, sadly lost their Dairy Queen. Um, you know, the reason they're able to build back is because they got a substantial insurance settlement, and I'm sure they'll be able to find an even more adequate piece of property for them to rebuild in the city of Calgary. City of Calgary is open for business. We're going to facilitate making sure that that piece of pro- that they find the right piece of property and that we can get them up and running as soon as possible. It's just unfortunate that the piece that they were on isn't going to be the piece that they're going to be on in the future. But we're going to make sure they're going to be successful because we know that the city of Calgary loves their dilly bars. And we love dilly bars too. In fact, I'm going to be the first one to buy a dilly bar at their new location. Corey, it's not bad. Compelling message. You like it? Look, I mean, I think realistically, um, there are a few things they would latch onto there. But, you know, I think if you're going to go and you've got a competent spokesperson on it, that's also an avenue you can take. But that's that's a different act. That's a tightrope walk. And that's committing because all of a sudden you've got to sort of carry that message through an awful lot of different channels. And that's uh, oh, it would be not always easy. It would have to be someone who really knows their shit. Who knows how to deflect a question? Who knows how to bring something in? Who knows how to aw shucks? Aw shucks, Dave. You just tried to catch me in a, you just tried to catch me. Aw shucks it. You know, you're not going to get me today. I hear you volunteering. Guys, let's talk about (laughs) one final thing. Let's talk about one final thing before we, we, uh, we move on. Um, candidates, politicians, though, those are the, the X factor here, right? So this is not just city planning department V couple and family. This is also, politicians. Corey, let's start with you. Um, what X factor do you need to plan? What X factor do you need to think about? Carter has left. I think Carter's like got to opt out of this question. Yeah, he does. Yeah. His wife Carter is a candidate. Carter is going to opt out of this question. Oh my Are God. we declaring a conflict of interest? Corey? I think this is clearly a conflict of interest. In Lay it on me. That's what, why do you think I started with you? <laughs> well, I assumed it was because Steve Carter's has just lost left. his mind here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, that's a very uh, unique to the candidate question and answer. I, what I'm saying is it's going to be different depending on what your strategy is. So if your strategy is to be kind of the local person, then yeah, you're going to want to mix it up. If let, it's not, Let no. me ask you in a slightly different way. If you're either of the two parties, the city or this couple and uh, this family, how are you trying to leverage candidates? How are you trying to maybe not play them, but are you trying to as you're oh, trying to get yeah. allies like how does it work from their perspective let me be clear on that question i mean i think absolutely if i am the i am the uh 
I keep calling them plaintiffs or proponents or whatever you want to call yeah, them, but sure. they, uh, I would absolutely be reaching out to each counselor and saying, do you think this is fair? Especially given that we know Councillor Farrell's office sent comments that were, you know, purportedly from her, like saying that all of these things about being strongly opposed, you have to imagine that weighed into it. If you had a different counselor, maybe you'd have a different outcome. So I think it's actually entirely reasonable to ask different counselors or candidates for counsel what they uh, what they would do and how they feel about the particular matter and, uh, and force some people to take a stand there. It's also a good opportunity to, um, you know, again, create more volume and more conversation on this. You bring in more players who naturally have megaphones, who naturally have constituencies, who uh, who could amplify it to their base, and, and it could result in additional conversation. Carter, I'm not going to ask you the counselor question, but I'm going to ask you to to summarize and capstone the city strategy. Anything to to add to what we've already talked about in terms of either the framework that you've introduced, the characters, and and either the messaging, and then any further elements you want to you want to add before we close out on here? I just think that the city has to be very careful not to be the villain, right? The, the you know the the casting of this role is relatively straightforward. The city is going to be the villain, um, so to that end, you can try and avoid things like Corey was talking about, or you can try and recast yourself as a willing partner in renegotiating and trying to develop a new win win. Uh, but the villain role um, now, alternatively, the you know. Big city, man. Who's going to care? But it's going to be a rough two weeks because uh, that's the way, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh, Corey, same question for you. Capstone this for us around the city. Uh, anything to add to the framework? Anything to add to the to the messaging? And any final thoughts? You know, cities get themselves into trouble when they start doing things that they want more than the people want. I mean, that's true of any kind of polity anytime you get uh, elected there. But I, I, it just doesn't make an awful lot of sense to pick this fight unless you really mean to pick this fight. So step one is just to say, do do I want to pick this fight? Step two is to say, are there options that might satisfy these things, provide a bit of a climb down? And if you get to step three, um, just be prepared for a bit of pain. And then if you're going to, if you want to avoid that pain, you're going to have to put some resources into it. You can't just say, well, this is annoying, but it's not a big deal. So I'm going to give it to, I, I don't know who was the planning person. I'm not trying to denigrate them, but don't give it to a second stringer from a media point of view. Give it to somebody who can handle it, who can go out there and frame these things out. And yeah, it might be something that's quote unquote beneath a, a, a more prominent spokesperson, but that's how you keep it from becoming a bigger issue. We'll leave that segment there. Moving on to our final segment, our over, under, and our lightning round. Guys, are you ready? I'm very excited. Stephen Carter, ready. let's start with you. What is the optimal price for two Dairy Queen hamburgers? Uh, the optimal price is, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's $7 total. I think you can pay six ninety nine, and you can get two, two burgers now. Okay, I'm asking optimal price, not what it is. Corey, what's the optimal price of two hamburgers from Dairy Queen? It's $1.58, Zane. <laughs> $1.58 is correct. Thank you so much, Corey. I really appreciate that. Carter, overrated, underrated. When you go to Dairy Queen and then they do your blizzard and they flip it upside down to show you that it's not like leaking blizzard, you know that move? Is that overrated or is that underrated? That's underrated. I mean, that's why we, you know, that's the place to go. That's the that's the move you want to see. Otherwise, you're just going and getting a freaking uh, uh, McFlurry. Who needs that? That's just not Corey. right. Overrated, underrated, that little flip move that they do. It seems like it's like page one of the handbook. Uh, what do you think? 
it's underrated because people think, oh, it's nothing. It's no big deal. I have seen it fall out. Uh, and and yeah, it happens one time in a thousand, one time in a thousand. But you live for that drama once you've seen it oh, once. You're just waiting for it okay. to happen that's pre- again. That's pretty good. And Carter, uh, uh, it's a- just a very exciting moment every time you go to Dairy Queen. Oh, I like that, Carter. On a scale of one to ten, I, I have to ask you: on a scale of one to ten, uh, the spoon door handles. I, I mean, they're my favorite, so you know my score. But the spoon door handles on a scale of one to ten, what are you giving them? Oh, they're a ten. They're an absolute. You couldn't ask for anything more on brand. They're perfect, uh, and they, they frankly make me want to lick the door handle, which that's got to count for something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carter. Really, really do appreciate it, Corey. A scale of one to ten, these spoon door handles. I give them a five. My problem with them is that they're kind of awkward sometimes if you're reaching for them and it's not um, it's not quite the angle that you want. Uh, Corey, second to last question. I'll start with you on this. In two weeks' time, is this decision reversed? If there's justice in the universe, yes, Zane, it will be. Carter, in two weeks' time, is this decision reversed? That'd be a dilly-dilly good decision. Carter, final question. I'll start with you. Overrated, underrated. Dairy Queen. Uh, underrated. It's uh, it's really the star of the uh, cool treats and hot eats environment. Corey, the final question I have to ask, overrated, underrated, Dairy Queen itself. It's underrated. It's one of those places where I never think I want to go, and then I get there, and I think, this is awesome. This is fantastic. What what beats a blizzard? Uh, what beats a banana split? Banana split is the thing that we should all be talking about. That's what we should have been yeah. talking about. Next Thursday, there's always time. That's a wrap on episode 933 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Belgi. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we'll see you next time. 